Thanks for tuning in to our Cypress Church podcast. To learn more about our church, visit our website at cypresschurch.net and join us for our Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes for more. Good morning. Happy day, or happy week, weekend after Easter, I guess it is. Uh, my name is Mike, one of the pastors here. Welcome to you online. Uh, glad you could be here. Um, Many of you, uh, you know me, but uh, uh, my wife and I, Christy, she was the one singing in the middle here. Uh, we have uh, six uh, grandchildren that are there, uh, one, actually seven, one in heaven, but these are our uh, six grandchildren. Actually, we have one on the way. Uh, yeah, yay. Uh, bring them on. Uh, so uh, Jessica and Jericho, uh, they are uh, pregnant with their third, and uh, actually they're going to be here on Mother's Day, so you get a chance to see her. She's not quite showing yet, but uh, I'm, you know, come on, bring it on. But uh, uh, you know, it is a blast <clears throat> to hang out with these uh, beautiful grandkids. And um, this past uh, Easter, on Easter Sunday, we had our family Easter egg hunt. Uh, they searched around the yard and <clears throat> found all kinds of things. I think there was actually <clears throat> an Easter egg left over from last year. <clears throat> and uh, um, we had a great time. And then uh, this past Tuesday, we, uh, Christy and I and Casey uh, went with two of them to the zoo, uh, the L.A. Zoo, and we had a, had a great time. Uh, you, know, it's a, it, it's a, you know, it's a wonderful, uh, but what's interesting is again, we get to watch uh, little ones grow up and be part of their uh, development. And, and, it, and it's interesting how they want to do things uh, they can't quite do yet. When we were in the L.A. Zoo, uh, uh, we were pushing Gunner along in a stroller, uh, Knox would stand up. He's the older one. And so he got to see everything. You know, he was just high enough to see over the rail, you know, to see the zebras and the lions and all that kind of stuff. And poor little Gunner, you know, he's just at eye level. And if he even stood up, he still couldn't see over that. And so what he does is he, you know, he just has this way to let you know he needs something. He just, ah! He just screams out for no, you know, we, we can't, he's so frustrated he can't see. And so he screams out and after he's done screaming a little bit, he realizes that he just needs to ask for help. So he looks to one of us ad- adults, and he kind of holds his arm up. So we pick him up, and, we, and, he, and he goes, oh, 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 and he's seeing all the different things around, and he's loving it. And, you know, it's wonderful to, to, to see that, uh, to lift him up and encourage him in that way. But, but also sometimes um, our little darlings do things they're not supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, they're they're little ninjas, and uh, uh, and they just can't seem to help themselves. Like, really, just this this last uh, weekend, and at the egg hunt, they you know all was done. We we're playing out in the yard, and we got these big beach balls, and they're playing them around. So I just decide I'm gonna you know tell them, hey guys, don't hit it over into the neighbor's yard. And uh, uh, lo and behold, one purposely does it just bashes it over there, of course, the others tell on him. And, and so, you know, when I went out there and I said, you know what, uh, what's going on? And, and he said uh, to me, Papa, uh, when you said don't, I, I really wanted to, so I did. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> he, at least he's honest, right? <laughs> 
he didn't try to blame it on one of his other cousins because they were all like, no, he did it. Uh, I, you know, I replied, okay, you know, next time when you feel like, you know, doing that, remember what Papa said, don't throw it over in the other, uh, in our neighbor's yard. So, you know, we got out the Frisbees <laughs> and he grabbed that Frisbee and I could just see his thoughts as he looked over, you know, I looked at him very firmly, you know, I got my eye on you and uh, don't do that. And of course they then went and played fine later uh, and had a great time. But Christy told me that he was actually hucking the eggs over in the neighbor's yard as well. And um, good thing he can't throw very well yet. So, but these interactions with my grandkids are, are not too far off where we are in faith. You see, there's, there, there's much we want to experience with God, a depth in that relationship with him, having that godly character built in our life and, and being spiritually wise. But we need a help and, and guidance and, and to be lifted up to what that next level of faith is because we can't seem to see it. And if we're honest, we don't always want to live the life God's way. Uh, we um, intellectually get that we're free from sin's power, and yet we act out anyways. Sometimes we win the battle of temptation, and sometimes we don't. And it's frustrating because we feel guilty, we feel defeated, and and and. Sometimes we even can feel like, you know, forget the whole faith thing and or even worse, we can just coast, not not trying because we don't want to fall again and we choose to just simply exist one Sunday after another after another. And sometime we're hopeful maybe something will hit us. But if you've ever felt frustrated with your spiritual growth or even discouraged, you continue to mess up, you're not alone. Not only the person next to you struggles the same way, but the Apostle Paul, the the great influencer of Christianity besides Jesus, felt that way. And in Romans chapter 7, verses 1 to 25, Paul gives hope to this internal fight with sin. For though we are free from sin's results, the battle still rages. But there is help and there is hope. For being vulnerable with Jesus gives flight to faith through sin's battle within. And so this morning, we're going to, as Victor said, we're going to get back into our study through the Bible book of Romans as we explore now Romans chapter 7, verses 1 to 25, giving us a strategy to battling the sin within. Uh, The strategy is grasping our freedom and awareness of the fight and winning the flight of victory because there is hope and there is help for being vulnerable with Jesus gives flight to faith through sin's battle within. So before we get started, if you wouldn't mind setting your Bible aside and just standing up for a second, let's pray and ask God to encourage us in this. And I really believe God has something specific for you in this today. Father, thank you. Thank you for the way that your truth, your word is such truth to us. And Lord, as we seek to delve into Paul's thoughts, and, and Lord, we need to lean in and help us to do that and, and glean from what he has to say for us, because there's some good things here. And Lord, may Holy Spirit, you work in our hearts and minds to have us walk away with some important things today. Lord, I know you did that in the first service, and you'll do this in this one as well. So bless this time. 
encourage us and challenge us in our own faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat, and I encourage you to take out of the worship folder that uh, Victor alluded to, and inside there is that there's that card. We'd love a prayer request on you. There's some other announcements in there, and also there's inside of there, there's an outline. Looks like this, and it's uh, there's some blanks to fill in. The blanks will be up on the screen. I encourage you to, to look those, take some notes. I also want to encourage you to, uh, at the end of the service, uh, as you go through these double doors here and turn left, there is a study guide that you can get that has all the answers to fill in the blanks. Some of the extra verses, but I added a few more from last service, so I'll give those to you as well. But uh, And some great questions to uh, study on your own and also many of our life groups, our small groups. To do it. If you're online, uh, all of this stuff is clicked somewhere around you and you can get to the outline and even to the Bible verses and all of that if you would like to do that. So take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to the Bible book of Romans. If you don't have a Bible with you, our amazing ushers would uh, have Bibles in their hands. They're walking down the aisle right now. If you want to borrow one, just wave at them. They'll be happy to give you a loaner. You can uh, use it and then leave it at your seat for the next uh, Sunday, and it'll be great. We're looking in Romans chapter uh, 7, and it's right after chapter 6. It kind of works that way. So uh, let's look at this strategy to battle the sin within as we're first challenged to grasp our freedom. Now, in Romans chapter 6, which we studied a few weeks ago, Paul was clear for those who by faith believe in Jesus as their Savior. It's coming to the understanding that, yes, we're sinful. And if you've been studying with us a lot with Romans, Paul, man, he just deep dives into that, does not hesitate to call us sinful all the way through because we are. And in all of humanity, it's part of our DNA. It's an unfortunate reality of being human. We're sinful. And that sinful holds us back from relationship with God, holds us back from being who God created us to be and keeps us out of heaven. And we need to be saved from that. And we can't do it on our own. So God provides for us a Savior. And we got so excited at Easter time celebrating what Christ had done. And so the fact that he is our Savior, when we, we need to understand that intellectually, but also come to the place where we believe. And you saw many people, it became Easter Sunday of people being baptized, uh, expressing their belief, saying, I believe in Jesus as my Savior. And many of you have come to that place, and that's awesome. And when we, when we come to that place of belief, uh, we, we, we are free from sin's ultimate consequences and outcomes. And we are free to know God. We are free to live out our God-given purpose and free to enter into heaven when that day comes. Romans 6, verse 7 says, For the one who has died has been set free from sin. To die to sin is what happens when we believe what Jesus did. And so, like I said, just last Sunday, we were celebrating Easter. And, and the, really, the Easter is not just Easter Sunday, because a lot happened during that week in Easter. And what's really important is Good Friday. Because Good Friday is that moment when Jesus took all the wrath of sin and the wrath of God just dumped on him. I mean, through beatings and scourgings and hung on a cross to die. And, it, and he did that for you and for me. And he took our sin upon him, and he, he paid sin's debt. Because that's we live in debt of sin because of that. He took our shame because sin is shameful. And he took our shame upon him as he hung naked on that cross. And he defeated the enemy because he didn't stay dead. <laughs> he was in that grave Friday, Saturday, and an early Sunday morning. Uh, he just bust out of that tomb. And he is alive today. 
giving that exclamation point that all he taught, that he is our Savior, that he took our sin, he took our shame, he, he defeated death. Right there, that example. And we can trust in that, that he is the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice of our sins. Romans 6, 6 put it this way. And we knew that, knew, knew that our old self was crucified with him, that's Jesus, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So we're free. And yes, we need to grasp that reality that we are free, but it's difficult to live free. Now, we're going to talk more about that next week as we talk about living in the Spirit from uh, 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 Romans chapter 8. But, but we, we need to grasp the fact that we're free, free to make new choices. Paul says this, that we are released from sin to thrive. And he says this, look, let's look now at, at uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brothers, for those I am speaking to, for those I am speaking for, I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Now, when Paul is talking about the law, he's talking about the Mosaic law, the law that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai, you know, the Ten Commandments. Some of you saw the, the, the TV movie version of the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston and his hair is all blown back, Ten Commandments. Um, and and it, it, God, I don't think it quite happened that way. Um, it's, it's mostly biblical. I mean, there's some biblical parts in there, but it, it, it's still a good movie. But it's talking about the law, the law, that, the Ten Commandments that God gave. And these commandments, uh, uh, everybody in, the, in this church, when, when the Apostle Paul wrote the church in Rome, the majority of them, uh, pretty much over, a little bit over half of them, were, uh, were Jewish believers. and They understood the law. But it's not that, they, that the, the Gentile, the other uh, ethnicities, didn't believe the law or didn't understand the law either. It's, it's much like here. You know, we know God's law. It's pretty simple. Don't lie. We know that one. Don't cheat. Don't murder. Don't steal. Those are things that we all know about. So people know about the law, and they understand the law. So, so Paul said, I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding a person as long as he lives. Now, he's going to now go into an illustration about what it means to be when we break from this law. So listen up. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he, li- while, while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, if she is called an adulteress, if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. If she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that you might bear fruit. For God. Now, just this is not necessarily a teaching on marriage here. Apostle Paul teaches a a lot on marriage later in different other books and and all all over the place. This is more used as an illustration to basically say that when you were 
when you ha- have not come to the place of faith yet to, to, to believe in Jesus, to believe that he died for our sins, you're still connected to the law and connected to those consequences of the law. And we, none of us can meet the law, so we're condemned to the wrath of God because of that. But yet when we identify and die with Christ, we're now dead to the law. The law now has no bearing on us. We're now free to live how God wants us to. For while we were living, verse 5, in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members, in our body, to bear fruit of death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which was held us captive, so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code, the written law. So this contract is broken by death. And like I said, there's other biblical teachings on marriage, so don't get caught up in the do's and don'ts on marriage with this. But, but, But see, we, just like a person is released from the contract of marriage, when the other has died, so we are released from the consequences of sin when we believe in Jesus, sharing in his death. A belief that we have died to sin and now can thrive in relationship with Christ, connected to God, growing in faith. And since we have died to sin, serve now a new way of life to see the fruit of the Spirit in our life. R- write down um, Galatians chapter 5. Uh, verses 22 to 23. It's the verse that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And what what happens when we release, when we come to faith in Christ and believe now in Jesus, having died with him, now we have the freedom to begin to develop these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in life, this godly character. Yes, the the law was a teacher to us, Galatians 5, he writes down again, Galatians chapter 3, I'm sorry, verse 24, talks about how the law is a teacher. And it's to teach us not only about, to teach us that we're sinful, but also to teach us to know about God and his character and to, and to survive in life. So the question now is, is, is the law bad? The answer is no. And is freedom from, and this freedom from sin does not give us immunity from the rules. Let's read on. Now, verse 7. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had been, if it not been for the law, I would not have known sin. You know, the, the boys were out there having a great time in the backyard with the with the beach ball. And until I said, don't hit it over into the neighbor's yard. They hadn't. They didn't even think about hitting it in the neighbor's yard. It was only when the rule came down. <laughs> now I want to do it. I would not have known for sin, for I would have not known what it is to covet, if the law had not said, "You shall not covet." But sin seized the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetedness. For part. From the law, sin lies dead. So, you know, my little grandson, he, he said it so well. Papa, I didn't want to do it until you said it, I shouldn't do it. It wasn't the, the rule that was bad. It was the, 
little sin nature inside of that guy. Because uh, he wanted to do his own thing. He felt a little squelched now by my rules. <laughs> uh, I once was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy. And the commandment is holy and righteous and good. See, my, my grandson didn't really think of throwing the ball into the neighbor's yard until I said don't. See, it's the sin within that took the good rule and pushed my grandson to do something wrong. The rules God set up are holy. They reflect, they're a teacher of God's true nature, his holy nature. And though they don't make us holy, they help us reflect God's holiness. It's like the, 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 the commandment to have no other idols before God. Because God is sacred. And he's the only one that should hold that high, holy place in us. Not some other idol that we worship and that, but yet to, to and, and by the way, I'm not just talking about a little amulet or thing like that. We worship a lot of different things. We can worship ourselves. That's probably the biggest one we worship. We can worship a job. We can worship money. We can worship kids. We can worship grandkids. We can worship all kinds of things. Our freedom, our country. We can worship a lot of things before God. And we need to be careful that we have no idols before Him. For when he is in that holy place, and only him in that holy place, life aligns. If you want another verse to write down with that, write down Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34, to seek first the kingdom of God. And when we do that, life aligns. See, the law is holy, but the law is also righteous. It reflects God's righteousness. Though they don't make us righteous, only Jesus does. When we follow the rules, we are right and act justly. Like the, the, the commandment to not lie or bear false witness because God is truth. And we want to reflect his truth by being truthful. And he is a perfect and the example of rightness. And when we are honest, it builds community. You know, one of the issues that fractures most any relationship is the lack of trust because we're not honest and we lie and we bear false witness. So it builds community. And so the law is, is, is righteous. It's holy, but it's also good. It reflects God's goodness. And though that it doesn't make us good, the actions are good for us and all of humanity. It's like the the, the, the rule to not covet, to not be so taken by want that we are just incessant to fill our own wants because it, 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 it takes away from the goodness to God that he is enough and will supply all of our needs because if we do not curb the want, we will never be satisfied, never content, never at peace. So we don't throw these laws out we embrace them as good spiritual disciplines to know God and to grow and to be more like Jesus. For being vulnerable with Jesus gives flight to faith through sin's battle within. 
But even though we are free, there is a battle within, this sin within us. And a good plan to deal with this is the struggle is to have an awareness of where the fight is, awareness of the fight. Paul brings out three areas of the struggle in this passage in in Romans 7. The first is the fight to live up to what we ought to be. Listen to, to Paul's struggle. Did that which is good, speaking of the law, bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, the law, in order that sin might be shown to be sin through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. Listen to the struggle here. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. See, he's not living up to what he ought. He knows he should live right, but he's not. Verse 16, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. You can feel Paul's struggle, and maybe you have felt that. Most likely you have felt that, too. You want to live right. You want to follow God's way of life. You want to be more godly, and it just seems so hard. We keep struggling with sin and the issues that we deal with. Paul faced it, too. Now, there's a um, great debate uh, in theological circles over this particular passage. Actually, they say that this is the one of the hardest passages to uh, uh, interpret in all of Romans because we're not sure who Paul's talking about here. Is he talking about himself? Is he the I that he mentions? Is it talking about Paul before he became a follower of Jesus or after he became a follower of Jesus? And so there's debate on all sides. I've landed on the side that it's Paul talking about his own struggle as a believer in Christ because the rest of the context fills that in. And so that's kind of where we stand, where I stand, and, and on that, but that's Paul's struggle, because we struggle with that. I, I don't know if, 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 if you don't, but I know I do. I struggle with sin all the time. It just, I, want, I want to be more godly, so I won't struggle, but the truth is it's, it's that sin within. And each of us are there in that struggle, that fight to live up to what we ought to be. And yes, we feel the expectation to be better and to not give in to sin and to not be rebellious and to give more and to serve more and to learn more, to be who God wants us to be. But we mess up. We make mistakes. We blow it. We don't get it. But no, you're not alone. (laughs) I mess up. You mess up. Even the person next to you, they mess up. Anybody want to be honest with me and say, I struggle with my faith at times? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, we, we, we all do. But it, where the help comes, it's like when my grandson admits that though he wants to do what I ask, he struggles to do it. It's admitting to Jesus that we don't live up to what we know is right. See, that vulnerability, 
being vulnerable with Jesus gives flight to faith through sin's battle within. The next area of struggle is this fight of personal failure. Paul goes on. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not able to carry it out. He's admitting to personal failure. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. He continues to fail. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. It's this fight of personal failure. It's, it's acknowledging we mess up. You know, my, my grandkids aren't, aren't perfect. I mean, I, I want them to be perfect, uh, so I look good. <laughs> but they're not, because I'm not. And, and they do things wrong. They get into fights, and, and, uh, and you know, one of them will haul off and you know, whack, whack the other one. And one of them's over here crying that got hit, and we'll come over to him, and I'll, I'll say, did you, did you hit him? And he just kind of looks at me. And, you know, won't say no, because that's a lie. He knows that that's a bigger offense in my mind. <laughs> so he just kind of looks at me, and so I say, come on. He's over there crying. Why is he crying? Kind of like, if I don't say anything, I can't incriminate myself. And then finally, I said, you know I saw you hit him. And all of a sudden, I'm sorry, Papa. He buries his head in my chest and goes and apologizes to his cousin. And uh, He feels bad because it hurts. It hurts our pride. It hurts others. It's embarrassing. We lose face. We feel out of control or knocked down. It is humbling. Even so much that we may want to quit. Quit believing, quit having faith. And, you know, that's not the answer. We even may want to grow numb. Just figure, ah, I can't do it right, so I just will just kind of float along. That's not the answer either. Either. However, when we choose to place, to be in a place where we admit our personal failure and actually listen to Jesus, that's when the joy comes. That's when the excitement's there. See, it's not that I'm trying to squelch my grandkids' fun by telling them they can't huck the balls over into the neighbor's yard. Is I want to keep them playing. I want to keep them having fun and, 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 keep, and, and, and allow that there's equipment for them to play for play with. See, being vulnerable with Jesus gives flight to faith those sins battle through sins battle within. The last struggle Paul brings up is the fight with this sin within. Look at verse uh, 21. So I find it to be a law, this code, that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Don't you find that to be true? You make you have a wonderful time. You hear a you hear a really rousing message, and you're cut to the quick. And God wants to do something with you, whether it's at a camp or on the radio, or certainly here at church. 
uh, and, and, and you're challenged with God. And all of a sudden, it's like you get out of church and, man, it's just like evil is just like crouching at the door. It, it, it lies close at hand. I can't tell you how many students that have come back from camp making these incredible decisions for God, and they hit the soil here, and bam, they're tempted and pulled off, and evil is close at hand. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see my members, my body, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my body and my members, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus will. But you can see that, that, that fight with, with the sin within. Yes, we are free from sin and its consequences. But sin still can influence us. We can still lie and cheat and steal and have idols and commit adultery and more. And when we mess up, we feel powerless. I don't know if you've messed up, messed up big. I know I have. And there are times that I I just, I feel so ashamed. Like I remember one time when uh, um, I was in high school, I was a fairly new believer and I was dating a wonderful Christian girl and we were, you know, had a great relationship and I don't know what happened. I got lured away and I started cheating on her with another girl who just happened to be my best friend's girlfriend. Yeah, ooh, that gets worse. His mom had just died a few months before that. And it gets worse. (laughs) It all came out at a big dance. I... Talk about shame. You know, here I was supposed to be this big, you know, Christian, like an example of Christ. I was a leader in my youth group. And I lost my testimony. I lost my testimony with my friends. I lost my testimony with teachers I had been trying to reach out to. My <clears throat> youth pastor uh, benched me from leadership. Um, it was awful. I was, I was helpless before Christ. And just like my grandson lifts up his arms for me to help, I had to do the same with Jesus because there was no way out of this. But see, being vulnerable with Jesus gives fight to faith through sin's battle within. So where is your fight? Are you struggling to live as you ought? Have you experienced personal failure? Are you fighting with the sin within? Paul now gives us the strategy. The strategy to be winning the fight of victory. We've already touched on them. The first is to be honest with Jesus. And you see him, Paul, just cry out. Wretched man that I am, in verse 24. He gets it. He's honest with Jesus. It's, the, it's honestly admitting that we're not perfect and in need of help. Do you have someone you can be that honest with? 
who loves you regardless? Well, I sure hope you can find somebody, maybe a, a mentor that you can just bear your soul with, that you can be honest with the struggle of life with. And I have some men that I admire greatly and I can just be honest with them and open with them. Or maybe it's your, a small group, a life group. There's a great opportunity for that. Or I know in CR, there's some great honesty. I celebrate recovery. There's some great honesty in there. That program will be starting up soon. But to be honest mostly with God and to come before him and honestly cry out to him. So be honest with Jesus. Next, to be humble towards Jesus. Paul not only says, wretched man that I am, and, but he cries out, who will deliver me from this body of death? Next verse says it's Jesus, and we know it's Jesus. It's admitting we are wrong in the mistakes we have made. And, the, and calling out to, and, and, and saying, yes, I get it. Actually, there's a word for that. It's called confession. Matter of fact, here's another verse to write down. I'm sorry I didn't include this in your notes, but it's 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's that letting loose, that confession. You know, when, when, when my grandkids uh, uh, finally come to that point, you know, they, they won't admit, they won't admit, they won't admit, just like I said, then finally they break. And they say, yes, I blew it. Boy, there's such relief that flows over their body. Same with us. We finally can come before God and confess the things that we're dealing with. When was the last time you grieved your sin? And lastly, not only are we to uh, be honest with Jesus and to be uh, uh, humble towards Jesus, but to be helpless before Jesus. Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. See, Paul can't do both. And he is helpless because this battle rages in his mind that serves God, but in his flesh that serves sin. Jesus is our only hope. And it's throwing our arms up to him and saying, help me. Guide me. I submit to your control and your lead of my life. For being vulnerable with Jesus gives flight to faith through sin's battle within. So where are you? Yes, we are to be grasping our freedom, released from sin to thrive and not living in, in, in immunity from rules but to have that awareness of the fight, the, 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 the fight to live up to what we ought, the fight of personal failure, the fight of the sin within. But are we at that winning place of winning the flight of victory? What do you need to be honest with Jesus about? Are, are you willing to be humble towards Jesus? Are you at a place where you're willing to be helpless before Jesus? This morning, I just want to do something a little different. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up and get ready to lead us in song.
But I want to end our time in a time of reflection like we normally do, but we normally have people pray. And I'm going to ask those who uh, are pastors and our elders and our prayer team members, they're going to take places, but mostly on the sides, on this side and the side on this side. I'm going to leave this space open. And uh, if you feel so led, and this takes a lot of bravery and a lot of honesty and a lot of humility, but if you feel so led as you are talking to take some time to come before and make this like an altar before God and just come and to stand and to pray, and just pray out your confession, pray out your uh, struggle with God, to pray out just in thanks for God to being your Lord and Savior, then you come. I'm going to ask you all stand, if you wouldn't mind standing. And as this song is being played and sung, sure, you can come along and get prayer to some of our prayer team members here and, and, and that. But if you would like to just, as a visual to God, to walk forward and just, you can stay and pray here for a minute, then send back to your seat. That'd be great. I just want to give you that opportunity. If no one comes, that's fine. If everybody comes, that's fine. It's not about who comes. It's about you. But certainly, do some business with God. Be honest with Jesus. Be humble towards Jesus. And be helpless. Helpless before Jesus. Let the words of this song resonate and call you to action. Father God, thank you. Thank you for just Paul's honesty here, Lord. Here's this apostle, this one who stood before King to explain the gospel, and yet he's saying he struggles with sin just like you and I. God, so much, I want to be perfect, but I don't struggle look at me, oh, look at Mike, he's perfect, and I'm not. I just want to humble myself before you, Lord, and just realize I'm not perfect. I can't do this on my own. I just helplessly lift my arms to you and say, help me be the man that you want me to be. Help us, Lord, to be the people you want us to be. May this moment, Lord, Holy Spirit, do work in our hearts right now. We pray this because of Jesus.